0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
1: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HouseStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Molly, and I'm Kristen. Kristen, today we're going to talk about breast milk. Breast milk. We've already done one podcast on breastfeeding. Yes, and we pretty much focused on the benefits, or you know, the alleged benefits, because mm-hmm. some people aren't completely sold on it, of feeding milk to your child through your breast. Yes, the bonding, the the fatty uh, minerals that go through to the bo- to the baby. Mm-hmm. But there are some women out there who can't breastfeed. Right. And there's someone out there who make a ton of excess breast milk. And there's some babies who can't drink formula. Can all these people meet in the middle? And that is what this podcast is about, because we're going to talk about breast milk banks. We're going to talk about breast milk swaps. We're going to talk about selling your breast milk.
0: Yes. And we're not going to get into, like Molly said, the pros and the potential cons of breastfeeding, whether breast is best and all of that debate. We have a separate episode where we cover all those points, we're just going to stick to the banking and the, the banking and all
1: the extra stuff. So let's start with the milk banks, which are, uh, I was surprised to find kind of a big historical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the first milk bank was established in Vienna, Austria in 1909. And by 1919, there was one in Boston and another in Germany. And basically in the early 20th century, there were a lot of ill and premature children And the mothers who could make extra milk were asked to give it to those sick babies Mm. and the sick babies thrived. So people were like, hey, seems like maybe if we can give some excess breast milk to the sick babies whose mothers maybe can't feed them because they're orphaned or because they were born so prematurely that milk hasn't come in. Maybe they will get better.
0: Right. And of course, this milk banking, breast milk banking practice traces back to wet nursing Mm -hmm. when, you know, women who couldn't produce would give their or wealthier women would have another milk producing lady breastfeed their child for them.
1: In fact, in the 13th century, European women made more money working as wet nurses than any other occupation open to women.
0: But I wonder in the 13th century if there were many options. I'm sure there women. weren't.
1: <laughs> but the idea of using someone's milk that wasn't your own mm-hmm. is a very old concept. Yes. And so that's why, um, you know, milk banks eventually came up in that early 20th century. And now there are several located all around the U.S. and all around the world. And they are designed so that women who have excess breast milk can donate it after going through a huge battery of tests because you can spread infection through breast milk. They go through the test, they uh, stack up their breast milk in a certain way, and they send it off to the bank. And the bank can then ship it out to premature infants, uh, orphans, people who have immune deficiencies because breast milk might help them, and... There are a ton of anecdotal stories where it just really helps those infants thrive in a very hard situation. Right.
0: For instance, um, they think that premature babies who are fed breast milk will have shorter stays up to 15 days on average in neonatal intensive care units. And they're less likely to develop retina problems that can lead to poor vision, and they also think that breast milk protects against an intestinal disease that premature infants are especially susceptible to. Now, there are some studies that also say that we need more evidence mm-hmm. that donor breast milk has such wonderful qualities because, like you said, there there is risk for infection that can be spread through breast milk.
1: But there has never in this country been an adverse effect after using a breast milk bank, probably because of the amount of testing that milk banks do for their donors and on the milk. Mm-hmm. Um, however, breast milk, because it is qualified as a food, is not regulated by the FDA or the CDC. So it's, it's somewhat of an unregulated industry. But as I said, no safety incidents yet and pretty pricey.
0: It is pretty pricey, and this is coming from information from the Human Milk Banking Association of North America, which was formed in 1985, and it seems like the... Pretty much the cornerstone milk banking organization in the U.S. And while it isn't FDA regulated, they do a lot of testing, not only on the mothers who donate, but then on the milk as well and pasteurize in a very specific kind of way. It's an extensive process. And as a result, the milk is not exactly cheap. It typically goes for up to $3.50, three fifty, three dollars to four fifty per ounce, and you think, oh, it's just a few bucks. <laughs> well, uh, if your infant is drinking the average thirty ounces per day, that is some pricey milk. It's like golden milk.
1: Yeah, and insurance doesn't cover this. Yeah, that's sort of the next, I think, fight we'll see that milk banks try and uh, fight is getting insurance companies to cover this. But as you said. These studies are saying we can't quite be sure yet if all this anecdotal evidence that breast milk is good for babies carries on if it's just donor milk or if it needs to come straight from a woman's, the mother's breast and so on and so forth.
0: But the need is absolutely there. Um, the Human Milk Bank Association of North America, H.M. Banna, <laughs> um <laughs> Really, they, they're running low on milk. They saw a nearly fourfold increase in milk distribution from 2000 to 2009, but a lot of the banks dotted around the country um are running low, and they're wondering whether these milk banks are running low because of the internet and something called milk swapping.
1: Yeah. Let's say that you have all this excess milk, and it doesn't feel right to you to... Ask some mother of a premature infant to buy it for three fifty an ounce.
0: And you don't want to throw it away. You
1: don't want to throw it away. And you also don't like this idea of like shipping it up and mailing it. Seems like a big hassle. You can turn to the Internet, dial up a website, and you can find hundreds of communities where women are swapping milk among their own friends and among their own town. So you can say instead of shipping the software, someone has to buy it. I can give it to the baby next door. Been. This woman and I are gonna have, you know, a bond, it builds friendships, it's all free, and milk swaps are sort of the a big thing going on right now.
0: Right, a couple of the main groups are Eats on Feets and MilkShare. And I think we should also note that people who women who donate to the milk banks through the Milk Bank Association of North America aren't compensated. No. And it's similar with the the milk swap. It's like the free cycle thing. You just you're you're trading. Milk. I know
1: I've got this great thing that women need. Mm-hmm. I can give it to someone who needs it, whether it's, you know, a woman down the street who adopted a baby, a woman who had surgery on her breasts and can't produce milk. It's a way to uh, build community, according to these women, and to not have to go through all the runaround that a milk bank would make you go through.
0: And there's also a really cool project called the International Breast Milk Project that sends um, breast milk abroad, particularly to African mothers, because of the prevalence of HIV and AIDS. Because HIV and AIDS can transfer through breast milk and formula will often be mixed with unclean water so the international breast milk project provides these african mothers with um with breast milk that isn't that isn't tainted potentially with hiv and aids that will then be passed on to their babies
1: right but what the milk banks are saying is that yeah it's great to give the breast milk to a neighbor it's wonderful that we want to donate breast milk abroad but the reason that their breast milk costs 315 ounce is they're underwriting all that testing right. that a donor goes through. And so that's sort of the big controversy is that in a milk swap, you don't uh, have to go through all that testing. You're kind of trusting a woman who, yes, is breastfeeding her own child, but, you know, could you possibly be passing on some sort of disease or infection to your own?
0: And in addition just to the screening that mothers who are donating to the milk banks have to go through. There's also a pasteurization process that will eliminate bacteria from the breast milk, and then they will further test samples for bacterial growth, and then the milk will be sealed in four-ounce glass bottles and delivered frozen to a milk bank. So it's it's a much more rigorous
1: process. Yeah, so someone are saying it's better for me just to be able to walk down the street and give the breast milk to someone in my community who needs it. Right. And as with most things involving breastfeeding, it's kind of controversial. Should you milk bank? Should you milk swap? Um, it's, it's kind of a big debate right now in terms of what you should do with all this excess milk. And perhaps one of the most
0: controversial options of what to do with excess breast milk, should you
1: sell it? Sell it. Money's got to go. You, I mean, you have just had a baby. You can't really work, maybe. Yeah. Maybe you can make a lot of money. I mean, if it's fetching,
0: if it's fetching three bucks an ounce, uh, there is a story about this in Wired magazine and it profiled one woman who, and she was a single mom. I think she was putting herself through school. She discovered that she could sell her breast milk online and she uh, only ate an organic diet, took care of herself, you know, didn't smoke, things like that. And she made 20 grand. Yeah.
1: In a year. Yeah.
0: I mean, (laughs) I mean, that's enough for me to have a baby. (laughs)
1: But you gotta start questioning at this point. I mean, so far we've talked about babies in Africa, premature infants. Right uh, it's all very altruistic. All of a sudden when you start putting money on it, it gets really kinda creepy because there are a lot of men apparently who just want to buy breast right. milk. Right. There's some
0: there are some sexual fetishes that go along with buying breast milk.
1: And um, so, you know, on the one hand it's great that this woman was able to make so much money to put herself through school and support her infant. But it seems like the more money that's involved, the kind of creepier it gets in terms of, of where the money's going and how we're going to protect the process of women breastfeeding.
0: Right. And I can understand the, the ethical quandaries associated with selling your breast milk. But at the same time, to me, the fact that there is a market for it is indicative of a the need that's not being met and also the need for more maternal support that Very isn't true. being met, that that a woman instead of, you know, is having to think about how she can make ends meet to care for her child and is having to sell her breast milk. Online.
1: Very true. Except I'm thinking of a quote from Salon, Kristen, that said, once it's a product and it's sellable, how do we protect the process? The minute you turn breastfeeding into a product, you're creating less of a culture that's supporting the process. So, I mean, that makes some sense to me in terms of if it's, if it's only something that brings money to people, uh, will we still have the laws that protect women's right to have a lactation room, mm-hmm. um, feel to, to breastfeed in public? So it's very interesting. And, the Salon article I cited was asking the question, would you eat breast milk ice cream?
0: Yes, the Baby Gaga ice cream that I'm sure yeah. a lot of you all out there have heard about was, what country was he making this in? This wasn't in the U.S. This guy in London, this ice cream maker, decided, hey, why don't I make some ice cream with breast milk instead of cow's milk? And he did, and he called it Baby Gaga. And at first, the, um, the food safety... Folks over in the UK said, Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it, it got pulled off, but then um, they're going to actually let him make and sell this breast milk ice cream. But now Lady Gaga's yeah. lawyers are on him, which I would be far more frightened of Lady Gaga's lawyers than food safety inspectors.
1: But another quote from that article that stood out to me was from a woman who works with the nonprofit Mother's Milk Bank in Austin. And she writes that the reason may be that people are kind of um icked out by the idea of eating breast milk ice cream, because let's admit, it's not something everyone wants to eat necessarily. Right, They taste differently. We have sort of taboos about breast milk, I think, in this country. Sure. But she writes that that taboo exists for a reason. So long as there were taboos, they protected babies from the misappropriation of milk by people who were bigger and stronger and who, being adults, could procure and process other foods independently. So it all goes back to... If we sell our breast milk, will the uh, premature infants get the milk that they need or, you know, it will it become sort of a luxury market for people who want the exotic experience of drinking ma- breast milk? But
0: I will say, I don't think that um, a woman selling her breast milk on her own is, I mean, if we're talking about better or worse, I mean... I think that's much better than, say, California-based company Prolacta, which is the first corporation to develop and sell breast milk for a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that is the negative direction that this could go in. Like yes, it re- it preserves the process and the pasteurization and makes sure that everything is very clean and bacteria free. But for instance, an average ten week supply of the ProLacta Bioscience product will cost over ten grand per baby.
1: Jeez, and
0: the mothers aren't compensated for it.
1: Yeah, so. It's tricky. It's tricky. And at this point, I'd love to open it up and hear if we've got listeners out there who have donated breast milk, who have uh, gotten breast milk donations, if you have worked on a milk swap, what is your relationship to donor breast milk? And should it be fine for women to sell their breast milk online if they want to?
0: Let us know your thoughts. Momstuff at howstuffworks.com is our email address. And now we'll read a couple of listener emails.
1: I have an email here from Erin. It's about the Human Trafficking Podcast, and she writes, I just wanted to let you guys know about an organization called Rafa House. Rafa House is a group of dedicated individuals that work toward freeing girls that are trapped in sex trafficking in Southeast Asia. The girls are taken to safe houses and rehabilitated. They're also taught different trades so that they can make money for themselves or for their families without being involved in prostitution. It's a very cool resource for everyone to look up, Rafa House. Rafa House. I've
0: got an email here from Alana about the human trafficking episode and she writes that this is an issue dear to my heart and everyone should do their part to protect other people. When I lived in Los Angeles, a group of women I knew would go around to massage parlors and any other place that might be suspicious and investigate in whatever ways they could. And I know that Atlanta, where you and I are, Molly, is a really big hub for human trafficking. And yes, she is right, states trying to pass laws. Regarding that. And she says there's some great resources and groups that are putting a lot of energy into liberating as many people as possible. And they include International Justice Mission, which is a lot of legal professionals who are putting their skills to good use in other, here and in other countries. Nightlight, which is, uh, which works with a lot of women and they have a lot of good information as well. And then Hand and Cloth. She says, this is my favorite, and I plan to go visit possibly next summer. A woman started this business as a way for women in Kolkata, India, to have an option other than selling themselves. The women learn a certain type of stitch from their mothers, and they stitch their stories into every blanket that they make out of old saris. Huh. They are a beautiful and accessible way to support women. So I hope you find these interesting and continue to use your positions to share the knowledge. And... That's what we aim to do, share knowledge, and share knowledge with us. MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email. If you'd like to get in touch with us on Facebook, you can find us there. Like us, leave a comment, interact with other listeners. You can also follow us over on Twitter, at Podcast. And finally, you can check out our blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You, from HowStuffWorks.com.